This is Geek Gab with your host, Darnall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, March 28th, 2000 and 2020. Still, man, it's still 2020. This is the year that keeps giving. I'm surprised we're still in March. Oh, it's still March. The March is almost over, right? Sure is. Did I tell you what happens this week with, uh, with the video game? No. So, and I know that was vague with the video game. And you're like, wow, yes. Way to narrow that down. <laughs> Man. I, I, you know, I, I trust in you, and I expect that I'll understand what you meant as soon as you get to it. So I'm, I'm going to let you fill in that blank. <laughs> Capcom is releasing a remake of Resident Evil 3. Oh. And even though I haven't been able to play a lot of them, I have dutifully and without fail bought every single remake Capcom has released. Wow. So I have Resident Evil. I have Resident Evil Zero. Uh, I have Resident Evil 2, which was phenomenal, except for the fact that they botched the second chapters, the linkage between the second chapters and the first. Uh, how they do that? Um, say that again. How how they do that? How they botch it? Well, you know, in the when you in Resident Evil Two, you're getting off the track of the story. But Resident Evil True, you could play like one character's chapter first, then another, and it would affect each other. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't anymore. Oh. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, it is. And it sounded really cool. Uh, I was really looking forward to it. Everybody was kind of assuming that was going to happen, but it didn't. So Resident Evil 3, I was excited. I was ready. I was prepared. I had a date memorized to when I could play the game. But it turned out, and I was excited because the date was coming up last week. Is very important. The date I thought I would be ready to play the game, that I could play the game, was last week. But it turns out that it's actually being released on the 3rd, April the 3rd. And I was a week or two, week or so early on my memorized date. However, I was 100% right about the date I'd memorized because that was the exact day that I needed to have money in my account to pay for the game. (laughs) (laughs) So instead of being able to celebrate, it's time to play Resident Resident Evil 3 day, I got to celebrate Take my money, Capcom Day. Oh, it's time to pay for the game day. It's time to pay for the game day. That's what I got to celebrate this week. So, yeah. 
That's why I'm eager for March to be over. Because once March is over, it'll be April, and then I can finally play Resident Evil 3. Well, that'll be nice. Uh, that's a little sad, but at least we are, are celebrating. How about this? Another week without the coronavirus. Let's celebrate that. I'm very happy for that. I'm very happy none of my family members have got it that I know of. Uh, not in my family, not in my extended family. So, yeah, I'm hoping anybody listening, I'm, I'm sincerely uh, hoping and praying that none of you uh, or your family members got it. I do know at least one of my, one of the people I know on Twitter has it. Um. F. Then what he described is just terrible. It's like he's coughing all the time, but every time he coughs, it hurts deep down on his back. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I nightmare. Um, apparently, the CDC next week is going to recommend that everybody who goes out of their house start wearing masks. Because the four countries that are doing the best with not getting infections, everybody there wears masks, like, religiously. Wow. Japan, South Korea, you know. And all the people who aren't wearing masks, like Europe, are doing very poorly. That's that's a shame. I've got maybe four masks hanging around at home. Now, I don't want to talk about that. There's there's lots of details on this that's going to be coming up, folks. Um, talking about what the good kind of masks are and how to take care of them. I don't have any good details on that, so I'm not going to tell you anything because anything I'm going to say now absolutely will not be correct. But I saw some details on some medical studies that are going on right now that will tell you the best kind of masks to use. And even though some of these masks are, are originally designed as disposable, we'll tell you how to um, clean them or sterilize them so that you can use them again, uh, as long as they're not physically falling apart. And using just simple things you've got at your home, you can sterilize them and use them again so that you don't have to keep a constant supply uh, of masks on hand. I don't have exact details that you could rely on, so I'm not even going to talk about it, but I have seen those details. I've seen information about those studies, and uh, that's coming down the pike so that, one, you know, if you want to take them out of your house, I'm sure that information, if you want to reuse those masks, I'm sure that information will be made available. Okay, let's let's talk about fun stuff. What have you been doing to stave off the quarantine boredom? Other than being frustrated that I couldn't play the zombie game I wanted to? I mean, yeah. Um, I played a different zombie game. That was fun. <laughs> you definitely no, have a type. You definitely have a type. That's for sure. <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, last week, I decided out of the blue to just like go listen to an album that I haven't listened to in... Uh, Jeez. Yeah, I decided to get some phlegm in the back of my throat before I started this uh, 
started this show because I thought, you know, what would make this show great is if I couldn't talk at all during the entire show. How technical does that difficulties. sound? It's, we have to have technical difficulties, and it is technically a difficulty, the, the best <laughs> kind of difficulty. <laughs> this is technically a difficulty. That is, that is absolutely true. Well, I, I have to, I have to confess something to the uh, to the audience here, which is we started this show a few minutes late because because you called me and you said, "Hey, are we doing a show today?" <laughs> <laughs> and my response was, "Wait, it's Saturday." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that, that's that's where I'm at these days. Uh, this whole week has been uh, just one big question mark for me. I've uh, I've taken the time off work instead of trying to work from home, and I'm uh, I've been filling my time besides doing some personal stuff that needs to be taken care of, personal business. I I've been playing uh, games online, board games specifically. Uh, I thought I would spend a lot of time on Steam downloading new games and trying new things. No, no. Uh, turns out a lot of my local buddies uh, like to hop on Discord and and uh, put together a game. And there's a lot of resources out there to play uh, board games online. And I find it a lot more satisfying than sort of your solo video games. Uh, that, for me. In particular, I want to call this site out. In particular, have you ever heard of a site called Tabletopia? No. It's spelled just like it sounds, and it is a virtual tabletop, uh, and they've got a program, but it also runs in your browser. And it's pretty pretty intensive stuff. Uh, someone I know who has a very poor computer had trouble running it, but... Um, it has dozens and dozens of games implemented on it. And it's done as a purely virtual tabletop. And that means that the rules are not implemented. There's no automation. But each player has a view of the table with all the pieces and everything. And all the pieces have been modeled. So you actually get to play the game, only you're using your mouse and keyboard to interact with the pieces instead of your fingers. Oddly satisfying, but it's a little fiddly. Anyway, I encourage everybody to try it out. You can get a premium account, and uh, the premium account basically lets you play all sorts of games, up to four or five players, and uh, the first month is free. So guess what? You've got a month free, right? <laughs> Are you doing anything for the next month? Me? You? Anybody else? Oh, I would say I'm always doing something, man. <laughs> um, well, if you need to get your gaming fix in, I recommend that. Tabletopia. Um, all right. What about you? So, I decided to... Uh, and I've been talking about how I've been listening to like some some brand new music, like stuff that's just out. Um, and that took me into some weird turns into like music that apparently you can't get anymore. Um, 
And that, that wasn't really my fault. I blame Misha uh, for at least one of those side jaunts. Um, into grabbing a couple of songs that you just can't really find anymore. Like Debbie Harry, who used to be the lead singer of Blondie, did a trance version of a song called Ghost Riders in the Sky. It was originally a Western song about uh, Satan's own herd of, of, of demonic cattle, demonic steers who roam in the skies and, and cowboys, cowpokes who die with sins on their souls uh, are doomed to chase them forever and never catch them. Um, it's been voted as the best Western uh, ballad ever, best Western song ever. And uh, just about everybody's covered it. And a few people have covered it under different genres. Debbie Harry covered it under a trance electronic genre. And you can only get that. I found it on the Wikipedia page. They linked to the web archive of her old page and you can download it from there. So I downloaded it. And there's also a version that was in the Ghost Rider movie. Um, so not on the soundtrack. It wasn't released on the CD, wasn't released as a single, wasn't released on any of their albums. So really the only way you can get it is if you take the DVD and or Blu-ray, whatever, extract the audio and cut it in the right places, and then you could have the song, but it doesn't seem like anybody has done that. Because at least as far as I can tell, the only thing I could find was a lot of people asking for it, but nobody saying, here it is. So that's, uh, I mean, it's on YouTube, but you got a really low crappy quality audio. So that song doesn't seem to be exist in any form anywhere electronic, physical, anything, unless you're willing to go to some lengths to, and there would be one more way of doing it um, that would involve uh, methods that I would never in public endorse. So, um, but if you could get a hold of a Matryoshka video copy of, from whatever sources you could, and you can make that yourself if you have a Blu-ray. That would be the only legitimate way for you to do that, and I would encourage legitimacy, of course. Um, get a Matryoshka video copy. You could do it yourself. But it's uh, Spider Bait is the band, and they did a rock and roll, uh, almost a punk rock version of this Western ballad about this doomed these doomed cowboys riding across the sky, chasing this demonic herd. Uh, really cool song, very obscure uh, versions of it that I ended up almost in immediately, just after an hour or two, looking at different versions, trying to decide which one I wanted. Like Johnny Cash did a version. Um, the guy who did Big Iron off of the uh, Las Vegas or New Vegas soundtrack for Fallout, uh, Marty Rollins, uh, he did a version of it too, and he's he was great. I'll um, so uh, 
And then I found these other two. And, and of course, I went chasing down obscure holes. Don't know why. So in addition to getting away from the new music, I got into old music. And one of the things I decided to do was, excuse me from rambling there, get into Graceland. Paul Simon's 34-year-old album. And I discovered something really, really funny about it. Paul Simon used to be part of Simon and Garfunkel, right? I don't know if you've ever heard any of their music. Of course. The Sound of Silence, right? Yeah. Hello, darkness, my old friend, and all that other stuff. Other lyrics sound portentous. They sound like they're full of meaning. They sound like they have something just under the surface that if you could only listen a little closer or listen one more time, you could peel back the surface of the song and find out what the real meaning was of those lyrics, that there would be something there. Well, Paul Simon has a great, great talent of writing lyrics that sound portentous, that sound like they're giving you something that's just right under the surface and that you, you don't know quite what it means, but if you could reach through just a little bit, if you could break through some membrane that's holding you back from fully understanding what he really means in this song, you could finally get it. So I was talking about Graceland itself. The album has a single on it called Graceland, the song Graceland. Now, in order to make this uh, album, uh, Paul Simon went down to South Africa and worked with a number of different South African artists. And they helped him write some music that he'd never done before. So the entire album has a very... Uh, Afrocentric uh, or uh, heavy, heavily African-influenced beats and rhythms. Uh, African groups sing on the album. It's just very interesting. Um, there was one hit, and based off of that one hit, which was huge, they sold many copies of the album and got these quirky, weird songs into everybody's hands. Because this is 1986. And people still had to listen to the entire album if they wanted to get the one hit. Oh. So they did. So I, I want to read just a little bit of the lyrics so you can kind of get the flavor of Graceland. The Mississippi Delta was shining like a national guitar. I am following the river down the highway through the cradle of the Civil War. I'm going to Graceland. Graceland in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm going to Graceland. Poor boys and pilgrims with families, and we are going to Graceland. My traveling companion is nine years old. He is the child of my first marriage, but I have a reason to believe we both will be received in Graceland. She comes back to tell me she's gone, as if I didn't know that, as if I didn't know my own bed, as if I'd never noticed the way she brushed her hair from her forehead. And she said, losing love is like a window in your heart. 
Everybody sees you're blown apart. Everybody sees the wind blow. I'm going to Graceland. Now, there's something there, right? You think there's something there. This is a, he's talking about a guy who's on a pilgrimage. Mm. And the last verse is particularly interesting. He says this. Ooh, in Graceland, in Graceland, I'm going to Graceland. For reasons I cannot explain, there's some part of me wants to see Graceland. And I may be obliged to defend every love, every ending. Or maybe there's no obligation now. Maybe I have a reason to believe we all will be received in Graceland. Now, I happen to think that that feels like there's deep meaning there, or at least meaning to the whoever he's singing about, right? That he's setting up something there. Well, on this, in order to listen to Graceland, I had to download a version off of Apple Music because I pay a monthly subscription to Apple Music. This is how I can afford to just at wild on a whim go off and download 10 albums and listen to them <laughs> because they pay a monthly subscription fee of like 13 bucks. And I get access to the entire catalog of that's on iTunes. Uh, doesn't matter how many I download or not, or how much I listen to them or not, I can just download them. So I downloaded the um, anniversary one with a bunch of other stuff on it. One of them was the story of Graceland as told by Paul Simon. And here's the secret of Paul Simon's lyrics. They are stupidly, directly, absolutely, and utterly, completely, um, without a shred of hidden meaning. They are <laughs> utterly literal. They mean exactly what they say. So this song came to be because one of the African singers brought him a chord progression that was like what he thought it was an African guitarist playing what he remembered American country music to be like, written after what he thought Paul Simon would write a song like. Wow. So Paul, <laughs> I know. I'm like, wow, dude, that's like telephone for music, man. <laughs> you know, that's the game of telephone, man. That's awesome. You just played telephone with like the longest thing I've ever heard. So Paul Simon got it in his head that this song, Graceland, was kind of a country music song. And so... He wanted to go back to Graceland because Graceland, the song, was a country music song. And it wasn't named that at the time. It was just, he had no lyrics. He just had the music. They had laid down the tracks and stuff. So he wanted to go back to where Elvis came from, even though Elvis really didn't play, you know, all that much country music. <laughs> so when he says, 
for reasons I cannot explain, there's some part of me wants to see Graceland. He He's literally describing his mental state of mind. That's literally what happened to him. There's, there, there's no way to piece together the reasons why. He's literally just telling you, hey, man, I don't know why. Just enjoy the music, okay? I felt like I wanted to go see Graceland. This is about his actual physical trip. He flew from Africa. He got on a plane and flew from Africa to Louisiana. And he stayed in a hotel in Louisiana. And so when he got out of the hotel and got in a car, what did he see? He saw the Mississippi Delta. And it was shining. <laughs> Very first lyric in the song. And what did he do driving north towards Tennessee? He was following the river. You've you've sapped all the mystery and, and wonder <laughs> out of my life. <laughs> it's deliberately literal. And I was just I was astounded when I heard him describing this. And I'm like, every time I listen to these songs for 34 years. I've always felt that there's some meaning that's just right out of reach. And you're telling me that the secret meaning that was just right out of reach was that there was no secret meaning. It's like... Learning Santa Claus isn't real all over again. The secret is that there is no secret to Graceland. <laughs> I was deflated. I will not lie. <laughs> so those are my great musical, great musical events this week. Accidentally tripping backwards in the middle of literally hundreds of easily available, popular versions of a song, finding myself once again ch chasing down the most obscure, unavailable versions in the world, because that's what I do when I find music. I become obsessed with the most unavailable singles available of that song and go chasing them down. Uh, and destroying 34 years of mild, low-key fascination with the lyrics, Paul Simon's lyrics on the Graceland <laughs> album. That's my week in music, folks. <laughs> That's what I've been doing this quarantine. <laughs> um, I didn't... Uh, uh, that reminds me of the whenever you run into a an essay or or a professor of literature or something like that talking about the hidden deeper meaning of such and such novel or or story or something like that and you're no I'm I'm pretty sure the story is just about what it's about 
Yep. Pretty sure you're just trying to justify your own paycheck. Yep. <laughs> the song is just about what the song's about, and that's it. <laughs> um, I didn't want to say this. Emmett Fitzhugh mentions that uh, his wife is a nurse in one of the hot zones. Um, she's in quarantine right now, waiting on her test results. So, um, seriously, man, we hope uh, hope the best for your wife. Yep. Um, absolutely. Um, so, oh, and Jeffrey just showed up just in time to catch the dead end of Graceland. That's kind of unusual for us. Have we ever done music before, like at least like that, like in depth? No, no. Not in depth. I think a couple of years ago we had a, a nice discussion of new wave and industrial with Kursova, and and that's the last time I remember talking about music. Oh yeah, because because Alex used to be, he used to he he was a like a producer and he made music and released records and stuff. Man, we we know great people. We know awesome people. Man, we're lucky. We yeah. are so damn lucky. Serious. All right. So let's move on past Graceland. <laughs> um, so guess what finished this week, too? Mm, I give up. Yeah. I was hoping you were about to say nothing good, and I was going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> nothing good. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's a great guess on your part. <laughs> We're nothing if not optimists here on the Gab. Star Trek Picard, 10-episode miniseries, finished up this week on CBS All Access. Oh, was it was it a miniseries? I thought it was intended to be a long-running show. Well, they're, they're going to have a second season, but I, I'd count anything with just 10 episodes to be... Uh, if it's an American television, it's just 10 episodes, but it's on streaming, fine, Picard. Star Trek Picard uh, finished up this week. It's 10-episode run. They're making another season. <laughs> yep. Yeah, sorry, Emmett. We're getting another season. Maybe. Yeah, we're also getting another season of Star Trek uh, Discovery, so big thumbs up there. Is that all that CBS has left for, for properties? I think that's all the CBS. We discussed this. Did we discuss this on the air or we discussed this off the air? No, we discussed this on the air. It was me and my streaming rant. That was like last week or the week before. I don't want to go back there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we were talking uh, We were talking to John Mollison, too, and, and he was telling us all about, you know, Hawaii Five-0 just wrapped up. CBS has a bunch of stuff, but it's, it's that uh, – it's old folks TV. Yes. That's their problem. So, anyways – the question you're going to want to ask me at this point is, Jason, was Star Trek Picard unremittingly awful? Well, I was going to I was going to leave it more open ended and 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 ask, what did you think? It was almost, but not quite, unremittingly mediocrely leaning towards bad. There were every now and then flickers of creativity that were kind of interesting that showed that somehow someone working on the show, maybe in the writer's room somewhere or whatever, had a flash of originality 
in putting in plot elements or technology elements or whatever. But they were way outnumbered by all the people on the show who were absolutely awful. Awful. Just awful. Um, and I'll be honest with you. I don't want to go into all that much in depth on the show because it's so obvious and all of it's... It's about Trump is what the show is about. Oh, really? Yeah. It is the is the thing, and it's also a ripoff of Mass Effect. Now that's funny. Mass Effect is is as derivative as it gets. It's 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 a ripoff of now now hold on to your seats, folks. It's a ripoff of Mass Effect Three. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Now, they didn't have the Star Child. They didn't have the three, you know, color-coded endings. But, man. It... So, so tell me, th this is a show about Picard. Uh, I assume he's he's no longer in Starfleet. Is he, is he just, is he an old man or is he still in Starfleet? So, here's, here's how it goes. In the beginning of the J.J. Abrams verse... You remember with the red matter and the Spock running around in a ship and the Romulan no. who came back in time because no. he was all pissed? No, no, I don't remember anything about that movie. <laughs> well, I've just recapped it for you. All right. He was all mad in the future because uh, the Federation failed to save Romulus from a star exploding and it would have killed a bunch of Romulans. And uh, so he came back in time to blow some stuff up that changed the timeline. So whatever. Did they really use time travel in, in that, in the Abrams version of Star Trek? Yeah, that's how it worked. He came back in time. It changed the timeline. And that's why the Abrams verse is different. So this is the other side of that. This is the world, after that happened, the sun blew up and Romulus got wiped out. What happens after that? Wow, that's... They, they went with a stupid idea and, and decided to make fold that in as... What's the word? It made it canon in, yes. in Star Trek. Instead of just ignoring it and saying, "Yeah, that was a that was a great, uh, stupid device," so that you could retell stories about those old characters and say, "No, let's let's explore that." So, and, oh, okay, go ahead. The evil, evil Federation, because the Federation is evil now, and the evil, evil Starfleet, because the Starfleet is evil now. Wait, what? I'm, I'm really trying to just condense this as much as possible. <laughs> I, I don't want to explain things any more than I have to because it's going to require me to take up too much time and do too much work. Um, they wouldn't let the Romulans resettle in Federation space because refugees bad. And that means that they're bad because they won't let Romulan refugees into Federation space. Um, 
Oh. And also somebody blew up Mars, uh, which is where a bunch of synthetics blew up Mars, or androids, we used to call them. Star Trek used to call them blew up Mars. And so all the androids got shut down. Um, so they don't make androids anymore. Only an android showed up, only they were completely organic, but they're still an android. Which, by the way, people were mad at Star Trek Picard for. Wait, this is a person who's completely biological, who seems to be human, but they have superhuman strength and superhuman speed and all that. How is that even possible? Star Trek Picard sucks. I will maintain that I will give Picard a pass for that because of Blade Runner. Nobody gets to crap on Star Trek Picard of this until they start crapping on Blade Runner because I've been crapping on Blade Runner for that uh, since 1991 when I first saw the full movie. Blade Runner did it first. Perfectly organic people that you can't tell physically are different from humans that are nonetheless superhuman, and yet they're androids or synthetics or whatever. No, no, no. Blade Runner did it first. So if you're going to blame Picard for that, you have to blame Blade Runner. So, you know, the show is bad enough. You don't have to go picking imaginary problems with it. She gets killed by a bunch of Romulans super ninja spies who show up and kill her because she's a synthetic, because the Tau Shi'ar, who are the Romulan secret police, have an even more dedicated unit within them whose job it is to hunt down and kill all robotic life in the galaxy, artificially intelligent life, because every single time, and here's the idea, this could have been a good idea, not for Star Trek, but for a science fiction show of some kind. This could have been a great idea. Every time a civilization develops artificial intelligence of a kind where the artificial intelligence or the robots, androids, synthetics, whatever, are about to exceed humans or whoever become better or replace them, something shows up and lays waste to everything. Synthetics and humans alike is, is what they think. Wow, they really did rip off Mass Effect. I know. Uh, they played Mass Effect and they thought, wow, that is a cool idea for a villain. Apparently Alex Kurtzman is known for ripping off video games. I just heard that as a side comment from Red Letter Media. I don't know that to be true because they didn't give any examples, but that's what they said. So, but actually that's not a problem. You could take the same idea that Mass Effect did. And if you did something good with it, if you made a compelling series or a compelling movie with it, that's not a problem. That's just like, hey, good for you. Because... Uh, Ideas are just ideas. They're yours to take. They could have done something cool with that in another show. I don't think that that's the right thing for Star Trek to do. Um, but it could have been. I mean, you could have made a good Star Trek series about that, but that doesn't feel like a Star Trekian idea, you know? Um, uh, but I guess Star Trek has sort of always changed over the years, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, 
if you really think about it, the original series is, and and I'm cribbing from my, if I'm not mistaken, I'm cribbing from Brian Niemeyer on Twitter here. Um, it was just a framing device to tell cool science fiction stories or whatever kind of stories they wanted to. Right. The, ori the original series was wacky. It was like, hey, yeah. you know, we're we're on the Nazi planet this week. Let's tell stories about Nazis or, you know, trouble with tribbles or whatever. And then the next generation changed that. It became about the characters and, and their their conflicts and some grand story and the prime directive and everything. They became a lot more coherent. Yeah. As as a as a universe. Which I guess is nice. And then I guess Deep Space Nine went off the rails. But it it was a satisfying show about that one local area and Anyway, you, you, you see what I mean? So Star Trek's always been sort of shifting in what it does. So I, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing that Picard has decided to, to tell these types of stories in that universe. So there's a Borg cube that got disconnected from the collective and they're running a Borg reclamation project on it where they remove all the Borg parts from the Borg and then try to make them normal again. It's actually kind of an interesting idea. When you've beaten the Borg, what do you do with all the drones? Do you just kill them or do you try to, you know, man, it's a horror show, man, like a World War One level horror show. Have you ever read about the guys who came home from World War One and they're, they're missing huge pieces of their face and they've got chunks blown out of their body and... You know, they have like two fingers on their left hand and that's what these mm. guys look like. But they're trying to rehabilitate them and, you know, perform surgeries to get them looking like they can go into polite society again. Um, and that plays into this. And then it turns out that this, it just is this big mess and it goes on. There's so many bad ideas that are crowding out the good ideas. And then this innocent girl that we're supposed to believe is the big victim because she's synthetic and the Romulans want to kill her. The Romulans, who are supposed to be the refugees and victims of the Federation, actually turn out to be bad guys who want to murder the innocent droid because they think she's the destroyer who's going to end all life in the universe. Guess what? She is. He's the destroyer who's going to end all life in the universe. Literally, she deliberately, with malice aforethought, turns on a tower. that It's a tower that shoots a blue beam of energy into the sky. Hmm. And I didn't know if I was watching the Avengers or Fantastic Four or a Transformers movie or the Guardians movie from the Soviet Union, or I, I think they did that in Rampage. I mean, I can't remember how many movies have blue beams shooting in the sky. And she's committing biogenocide. She deliberately presses the on switch that's going to kill every living being in the entire galaxy. With just one blue beam. Well, the blue beam goes up into 
the uh, space and it opens up a portal to basically a portal to the bad guys from Mass Effect. <laughs> I mean, come on, let's get serious. There's synthetic life forms that are here to kill all living beings in the galaxy. What, what do you want from me? It's Mass Effect. I mean, what were the bad guys called in Mass Effect anyway? I can't even remember now. Oh, uh, mm, depends on which bad guys. The Reavers. It's the Reavers. Okay, it's them. So they're coming out, and it is the most generic, the most crappy CGI you've ever seen. It's got those wavy portal and space effects with red surrounding it, and there's snakes coming out, only they're, uh, get this, they're mechanical snakes. That's what Ooh. makes them synthetic. Oh. And so they turn off the beam, and then everything's okay again, and they show the shot of the crew for the next season, and the crew includes uh, a card, an alcoholic, a murderer, a drug addict, seven of nine, who is you know, 50 years old and they keep her covered up the entire show in like five layers of clothing and who's now apparently a lesbian. Um, and a genocidal mass murderer. That's the crew. That's the crew. That's the crew. It's, it's like the, it's like the McDonald's kids club, the Burger King kids club. I, I, I don't think I've had a group of player characters that have been that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does sound like a, a a motley crew of player characters if I ever heard one. Um, hey, we got the name wrong. It's the Reapers from Mass Effect 3. Oh, the Reapers. Okay, yeah. She's opening a portal to let the Reapers through to wipe out all life in the galaxy. Uh, except for like literally 30 uh, robots. For the sake of 30 robots, she's willing to kill trillions and trillions and trillions of people. Oh, spoilers. Sorry, I just assumed that if you wanted to watch Picard, you'd either already watched it or you wouldn't listen to this show. Yeah, no. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a big <laughs> Star Trek watcher myself. Um, have you been watching? Have you been reading the the, the comments? <laughs> yeah, I was just about to bring that up. We're we're talking about the old Star Trek stuff. Going back to what we were talking about the original, uh, the original Star Trek. Uh, Jeffro Johnson in the chat. Thanks for hanging out with us again. Uh, he's he's got his pulp lens on this, of as usual. Star Trek the original series, flush with pulp style space princesses. I love that. I love that that mental image, but I think he made a really good point in another comment. Star Trek: The Motion Picture and Star Trek: The Animated Animated Series attempted to amp up the serious hard science fiction angle, and then Star Trek II, which is the Wrath of Khan, uh, rolled back to the pulp approach with great effect. Um, what do you think about that? About what Jeffro just said? Yeah. 
Sorry, I'm, I'm fighting off a wave of depression that has crushed me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me. Uh, uh, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. I assume it's Star Trek induced. <laughs> Let me. Uh, my take on it is it's. I think it's easy to say that. I don't want to just dismiss the idea that, well, you know, Star Trek two is a good movie that I liked. Therefore it is also part of this genre or style that I did like, but he's totally hit the mark on Star Trek, the motion picture, which is widely regarded as a pretty good film that it was sort of that intellectual hard science fiction type of movie. And yeah, it was, it's it's watchable. It's it's a good film, but everyone's favorite is the Wrath of Khan, uh, Star Trek Two, and I regard Star Trek as a cold, distant, clinical, unemotional, overly long, self-indulgent, kind of boring movie. It needs a a really it's really, really infatuated with its special effects, and it needs uh, an editor to cut out a lot of those operatic shots. It just, they don't work. Those special effects shots where they're, whoa, just no. Too much time spent doing that. It, it doesn't, the characters just don't, they don't move me. Decker and Ilea, you maybe could have had a good relationship there, but she's she's just so cold and aloof. It's like she's she ends up being no different than Vulcans. I mean, you've got this race of supposedly, and this is the 70s, right? Uh people who are so so good at the at the sex that they will blow your mind, that nobody else can handle them except for rare, rare people. Um, but <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's what Deltons are. Don't blame me. I didn't make this up, okay? <laughs> it wasn't me. So they have to restrain their sexuality at all times so they don't, because they have pheromones and stuff, and so they don't uh, inadvertently draw in poor, immature humans who haven't learned how to develop their sexual maturity and stuff, well, that just she just becomes a Vulcan. I mean, if that's all you are, then you're not any different from a Vulcan. Um, so she didn't really add all that much by herself. Um, gorgeous character. They made her bald, which completely ruined that. She could have been a space princess character in that would have been awesome. Actual sexuality, actually restrained, that would have been just scorching on the screen. You could have seen why Deckard was, you know, willing to just jump off and go be with her because he was in love with her and he knew her and all of that. That would have been absolutely brilliant. Um, but the way they did it just was clinical and removed and distant. I... I didn't like the movie as much as other people. Granted. Apparently. 
I never knew you felt that way, but that's why that's why we have this opportunity to ask so that we can get your true feelings on the subject. Granted, if if you're new to Star Trek, just watch The Wrath of Khan and literally don't watch anything else. None none of the shows, not just just watch that. It's a pretty cool movie. And it is a really good Star Trek movie. I mean, it's backbone, the question it plays with, and all, all the Star Trek episodes play with, you know, ideas and concepts and stuff. This one is about, well, what do you do when you can't win? How do you face the no-win scenario? And Kirk's answer is to cheat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is actually, in my mind, the noblest answer there is. Of course. Because you cheat, you go down fighting. If you're not willing to cheat, you're not willing to win. And I'm talking in terms of actual war, not in like an exam situation or business or whatever. I'm talking about an actual war. If you're not willing to cheat, you're not willing to win. I'm a person who had been very poor fit for like medieval style of war. So... All right, so it, it, it's a terrible, mediocre show with ripped-off ideas. Are we talking Picard again? Yeah, I'm just trying to summarize your, your thoughts on it. With, with flashes of brilliance here and there, it's not worth watching this show to see those flashes of brilliance, but I was watching it anyway for, for Geek Gab, so, you know, what the hey. I just I have to say they're there. There are flashes of brilliance here and there that make you say, "Oh wow, that should have been in a much better show. That belongs in a much better show." It's not even really, you know, what might have been. It's just like, "Oh, I'd love to see that in a much better show where it could really shine, where somebody who knew what they were doing could really develop it." where it would receive some more love and attention and have a bigger impact. Do you have uh, do you have any YouTube clips you could share and enlighten us with these moments of brilliance? No. Oh. That's it. <laughs> I was gonna say, wait, that sounds like way too much work. <laughs> uh, well, I mean... I, I had I had a little hope there that that we'd, there'd be some snippets of brilliance. Um. So yeah, Star Trek Picard is basically don't bother, unless you're watching it anyway for whatever reason. Don't bother. Uh, there really is nothing in the. There's absolutely nothing in the entire 10 hours that justifies seeing it. In the very beginning of the show, they have two people who work with Picard on his family's land. So they're there for like four or five episodes, four episodes, I think. Uh, and they're ex-Tao Shiar. Uh, and they're good characters. They're fun characters. I like them when they're on the screen. I have no idea why they didn't include them in the rest of the series because they would have been awesome. It would have been far better than any of the other characters they introduced from there on. <clears throat> uh, that was another big, huge mistake. 
on their part is to not include at least one of those characters. Um, all right, let's skip. Uh, we don't, how much time we have left? Like five minutes? Yeah, that's about it. Uh, I'm just going to mention it because we won't have time to talk about it. I watched Tiger King yesterday and today, which is a new series on Netflix. It's a documentary uh, about the private zoo and uh, uh, animal enthusiast community. Um, so if you've got you know people who own privately big cats, tigers and lions or uh, bears, monkeys, exotic birds, whatever. Uh, that is, uh, there are seven episodes around an hour long each, and it's going viral right now. Everybody's talking about it. And if you're wondering if it's worth seeing, so A, you can participate, or B, you, B, you can like just keep up. Yes, absolutely, the show is worth seeing. It starts out absolutely crazy, and every single episode after that ratchets up the nuts. It ratchets up the crazy. Um, and seriously, every episode is worth watching. By the time you get to episode four, it is just insane. It is so nuts. You will be blown away by how crazy it is. Um, I am just, I enjoyed it. It was fun. These people are nuts. Uh, and it has, I believe, I haven't seen actual scientific certification yet, um, but I believe it has the biggest Karen in this galaxy uh, is showcased in this show. So if you want to see the Karen to beat all Karens, you can catch her on this show. Everybody on this show is crazy. Oh, my uh, goodness. And it's, it's glorious. It's just absolutely glorious. And, and this is, this is not a, this is not a dramatization. This is a reality TV. It's not a reality TV either. It's a documentary. It's, it, I mean, it wasn't set up as a, it wasn't set up as a reality TV show. It's not, it's not lured. It's not dramatized. They're not, you know, trying to drive people to do stuff. The guy is just there to try and, you know, catch what's going on. It, it, it's like you took, this is what I, the best thing I can think of. It's like you took like a couple of hundred of the really, you know, barely holding on to existence crazy people and put them all in the same hobby to where they can't get away from each other. They can't get along. They can't live with each other, but they can't get away from each other either. Wow. <laughs> so, and, and their hobby is owning dangerous animals that can kill you. Right. You know, one of them is a gun-toting redneck gay man living in Oklahoma who has a zoo with 200 
Tigers. <laughs> he sings country music, and he's married to two men. That's crazy. He, oh, and he has a mullet. Sorry, I forgot that. Of course. Uh, that's Joe Exotic. He's the Tiger King. Uh, one of the other guys uh, lives in a different zoo, and he is a yogi. He is uh, he practices yoga uh, as a religious form, and he's got three wives. He's got an entire zoo full of all kinds of different exotic animals. Um, and he brings on, you know, other. <clears throat> I think he called them apprentices or whatever from time to time. And uh, very often, a lot of those women end up becoming temporarily married to him as well. Um, and he's got a... And then there's Lady Carol, the Karen, mm -hmm. who's, got, who's run the zoo that's just like everybody else's privately owned zoo. It's no better or worse than everybody else's, but she calls hers Big Cat Rescue and says that everybody else but her abuses animals, and she's got two million Facebook followers, and she's trying to get everybody else but her shut down. <laughs> and so she's in constant feuds with everybody else. Also, she probably killed her first husband for somewhere between 5 and $10 million of his money. Oh, my goodness. And they take up an entire episode talking about that caper. When I tell you these people are crazy, I don't mean in a small way. This is big crazy, big this time. This is big crazy. So, um, <laughs> and it's insane. And you just, I... Seriously, I got seven and a half minutes into the series and I almost had to quit because they were showing Joe Exotic rolling around with his tigers and stuff. And I'm just like, somebody's going to die. Somebody's going to get eaten on this show. Um, and, and I kept on watching. I mean, I was just convinced somebody was going to die right in front of the cameras. Uh, so... I highly recommend the show, and the reason why it's going viral is because it's good. And there's a lot of people out there who are doing memes and stuff, so if you're wondering, hey, Daddy Warpig, is this any good? It is good. You should go see it. It's on Netflix. I don't know. Get a free week of Netflix or whatever. Um, it's not very long. Again, it's about seven hours. Uh, everybody else has seen it, and they're seeing it for good reason. Wow. Um and by the way, this the whole drama in the show stops in December of last year. So the last episode is contemporary. Holy cow. All right, uh, I, I should probably check it out. Thank the guy has been following this exotic animal community for five years. Wow. So he started making this documentary in 2015. <laughs> And it is, it is, it is insane. So, yeah, 
I would recommend it. I wish I had time to talk in more depth, but I, I don't want to talk in more depth because it'd be all spoilers after what I've said. So anything other than what I've said would be a spoiler. Well, I think Netflix owes me a new 30 days free. I think I'll check that out. <laughs> I found it worth the seven hours. Actually, I was up when I got up this morning. I finished watching the last two episodes, so I'll be ready for the show. <laughs> That's right. I watched seven hours of television for a five-minute review. <laughs> <laughs> you done good. That is that is an impressive level of uh, efficiency right there. <laughs> Oh, and we ran out of time. I'll just to let you know, any of you who are on Twitter, I started a thread earlier today about um, quarantine movies, movies that uh, are not movies about quarantines or movies about dying, just movies that are good to watch in quarantine. Do you have you have my tweet there, right? The first one. I got it around here somewhere. Yeah, just pull up just that tweet. So yeah. this is. This isn't even like my full list. This is just everything that would fit in a tweet after my introduction. So this is all I was saying. Movie recommendations for a happy quarantine, newbies, classics, family films, films for just the parents. Add to the thread. You know, Wizard of Oz, Princess Bride, Mary Poppins, Dumbo, Red Dawn, Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, Conan the Barbarian, Superman, Fifth Element. I'm not saying this is the definitive list of the best movies in history. These are just fun movies that you can watch. While you're, uh, you know, social distancing or voluntarily staying at home. So uh, what I'm saying is uh, we can't talk about it much on the air. You can see a lot of people responded. They've got a lot of great uh, suggestions. Uh, jump on Twitter if you can, if you haven't already, and uh, uh, drop in your suggestions um, so people can see them. Just so many good suggestions. Tombstone, Heat, Stargate right now, scrolling past. Um, all of those are great movies. So, yeah, check them out. Uh, check out the thread. Add your own suggestions. Uh, and I'll see you on Twitter. I think that's, man, I, I think that's everything we we, we we can cover today. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> We're about spent. Well, uh, thanks, thanks for jumping on with me at the last minute after forgetting it was a Saturday. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we could gab. I'm happy everybody in the chats hanging out live with us. It's always fun uh, it, talking to you guys live in chat. And I appreciate everybody listening later. Uh, it's been a good day for me, Daddy Warpig. Um, yeah, I'm spent. I'm blown. My brain is uh, is sitting in the back of my head, shake, <laughs> just going, no, I'm done. I'm, I'm heading out back on the patio. <laughs> I'm done. Do I have an accent? It sounds like I have an accent right now. I think you have an accent today. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm too tired. I got too little sleep. And I've been watching too much Tiger King in the last 24 hours. Seriously, I started watching it like last night. So I watched all seven hours in like less than 12 hours. <laughs> I think you started to pick up the accent. Oh, 24 hours. I don't know. I can't even do the math. Okay. So, so I want to count this on my fingers because that's what I've been reduced to. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and participating in the chat. As always, we appreciate you. Uh, grateful for all the comments. Uh, 
And uh, we hope you and your loved ones stay safe during this uh, epidemic. Keep an eye out for that CDC announcement about uh, masks. And uh, especially keep an eye out for any instructions you may uh, uh, get put out by the CDC or anybody else on how to reuse your masks. That'll increase their lifespan greatly. Um, and stay safe out there, folks. Uh, be sure to get some good movies and TV shows that you can uh, enjoy. Um, so that you go, don't go crazy <laughs> under quarantine. Uh, we also want to thank everybody who listens later. Um, it's uh, You know what? This may not have been the most coherent show, but uh, we sure had a heck of a lot of fun doing it. Um, you can get this show on YouTube.com slash GeekGab. You can catch us on uh, the Google Play Store, the iTunes Store, or SoundCloud.com subscribe to us uh, at those places or just download us. You can listen on the device of your choice. No problem at all. We, uh, this has been Geek Gab. We're signing out for today, but don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.